This is a Loosely Coupled Show. This episode was recorded March 21st, 2020. In this episode, James and I discuss working remotely and how that affects teams, the communication, and the software we're building. Yeah, well, I mean, both of us work remotely, so I think it's pretty appropriate maybe to talk about remote work, um, given that a lot of people are working starting remotely to do it, yeah. now. Um, I think... Yeah, it's not it's not regular remote work though. A lot of people, even like yourself, like your kids are home. Yeah. Where they usually aren't. I mean, your wife is probably working overtime now, I would imagine, like crazy. Even if she isn't, you have to watch the kids. Yeah, it's different. It's it yeah. the schedule's really thrown off, but yeah, yeah, it's like somebody sent me a message just earlier, like, Oh, well, you're working from home anyway, so nothing really changed. I'm like, Well, mm. it has a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit it, it, my kids yeah, are home it, and i have to watch them just a little bit yeah you know? <laughs> it's it's changed a little bit yes i work remote and i've always well since this job i've always done it but it, yeah it's not quite the same right now but yeah then for people who don't work remotely usually i mean even people who do like it doesn't even matter it's like your kids are home right like that's kind of a that's, i think that's probably the biggest disruption is that kids are home and if you don't have someone to watch them, then what do you do, right? Yeah. Like my situation, we have eight kids and my wife is homeschooling them during the day. So like I work remotely and the kids are home all day, but we're kind of used to that now. We, You know, yeah. my wife kind of handles that. So for us, actually not much has changed that way. But... I can see like, yeah, I can see for people who maybe they're single parents or they're just not used to having the kids at home. It's, yeah, it's going to be a big, a big shift. Yeah. It's an adjustment. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess it's just familiarity. Like you figure it out. Like you just kind of figure it out. That's why I always was interested in, are we, are we doing this for real right now? Are we, (laughs) I don't even know. Um, I guess I can just put this all together Um, is I always wondered with um, like when, when I started working um, for the startup, we just three of us and we were all remote right from the get go and we had to figure it out. Yeah. So it became the normal, like we, you kind of figure out the tools, you figure out like all that nonsense early on of like not getting video working or your audio working, but we like now, Everything's just second nature about how we interact and that it's, it just, it just feels normal now. Like it doesn't feel odd at all Yeah. to do it. So like what you were saying is like, it's seemed like nothing really has changed that much for you is because that's just your normal. Yeah. Right. So if you all of a sudden had to jump into working remotely, there's probably, I can, I can imagine some pumps there because it's just you're not familiar with it even if yeah you're doing the office and you do some of the remote type stuff like you're using whatever chat slack teams whatever the case may be and you're using video whether it be slack skype we use google meet um it's still very different if you're all remote and i've always heard that too as well with the like remote first or if you're all remote there's still a difference yeah because that's the case i'm actually the only remotely work like officially fully remote person in my company um so it's kind of it's yeah there's there is a big difference from what you've described or you're everyone's remote um in my case i'm the only one remote so it happens that i get left out on things a lot exactly which is no one's fault it's just you know it is the way it is um so yeah i think yeah, that there's different dynamics there for sure. I'm not sure how much that would apply to like people who are kind of thrown into it because of this this stuff that's going on in the world right now. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I thought I wanted to like one of the things where we talked about when we had come up with this uh, little chat or whatever. Um, I thought you know what kind of what are some tips for working remotely that I can think of that have helped me? Um, I'll just throw a few out there. Um, 
probably one of the coolest things is crisp.ai. I don't know if you've if I've mentioned that to you or not. No. Okay, so I think the website is just crisp with a K, K-R-I-S-P.ai. So it's like a noise, it's like a noise canceling software, basically. So okay. I'm I'm using it right now. So yeah, basically I like, should so, be. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> Probably right now because you probably hear some steps. I'll have to like edit the mute out certain parts. Well, I think people, you should leave it because then it's like this is kind of like the situation right now that people are having, right? So I think that's you keep it in. Um, But yeah, it like filters out background noise, like kids screaming and fans. And I'm by an airport, military base, so planes going by, like it's filtered out. It's it's pretty like. I was very skeptical at first, um, but it's very impressive. Like, it's just incredible, really. So, yeah, basically, you just install it, and it it appears as, like, a microphone. Like, first, you configure it, and you say, like, yeah, I want to use this microphone with it, with Crisp. Um, It can filter out your input or your output. So, like, I could filter my speakers, so it would actually filter out, like, your kids screaming and stuff if I wanted to. I typically don't do that. But I just use it for my for my mic. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's cool because it's like the way they built it is they use machine learning, so they just have like thousands of audio recordings that they had taken, um, and I guess use machine learning to train software how to filter out you know what's what's a real noise and what's not a real noise and so on. Nice. Um, and I think there actually is an aspect of AI like real time. Because sometimes it, sometimes there's a little lag where it's like you hear the background noise when you start a call and then it kind of like, it's weird. It's really weird. You can actually like hear it trying to like figure out what to filter for the first couple seconds and it's, it's just all gone right away. So that's cool. Yeah. I'm definitely going to check it out. It's cool. And then um, I think they just reduced their prices too. So it's like th- three bucks a month, I think, if you pay for it's- a year. What is this is really awesome because, um, like I said, normally, so as you can see from my background, I, I'm actually in my live like my downstairs living room, yeah. And and you can hear my kids because <laughs> they are home right now, it's a Saturday we're recording this, yeah. Um, and but originally when I started, I was actually in a separate room, um, and I felt too confined, so um, at that time my wife was home with my son and daughter because <clears throat> we just had my daughter. And so then when my wife went to work and then my son was in school and then my daughter went to daycare, I was like, I'm just stuck in this room. It wasn't very, I just felt secluded. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to move my desk because during the day, nobody's here. I'm going to move it into this open area. So I'm in my downstairs. I'm like, you can't really see, but my TV's over there. You can see, obviously you see the pool table there. But it's great when nobody's here, <laughs> right? But now, like, the situation has changed a little bit, and I don't have any uh, ambition to move my desk back. Yeah. Because I just, I like kind of being in here. So checking that, I'm going to check that out for sure. Yeah. Plus, would... because the other reason was because I wanted to be, I started doing live streams. I was like, this is going to be a mess, I like, me trying to do these in the middle of the day now. So I haven't done one this week because it's like, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to have to get them to like settle down like for the most yeah. part when i'm working i can i can disregard it yeah right and they're just doing normal things they're just talking whatever so but they're upstairs and you can hear them so like for doing my live streams i was kind of like ah, i don't know if i want to do it but it yeah. sounds like it could work that's kind of same thing with me like i'm i am in a room but i can still hear them i mean i, I have eight kids under 12 so there's noise. There's noise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, these these headphones actually work really nice. Um, yeah. Even without music, it's pretty good. But I usually have some sort of like music or even like a tech talk or whatever going on if I'm not doing like really intense work. Um, yeah, I used to have similar like kind of over the year, but uh, when I was like worked in an office and etc. Yeah. But once I was home alone and it was just becomes I just use my speakers. I don't I only yeah. use these when we're recording. I don't generally have them on. Yeah, so. why not? You could probably hook get like a huge stereo system and there my, yeah, and my hook current it up. setup here is not that bad, so that's what I use. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cool. little out of hand sometimes. Yeah. Um so 
Do I'm just going like, to throw out, uh, actually, maybe why don't you go ahead? Because maybe I was going to ask you about, so it's interesting that we're kind of in different situations of remote work where, again, the company I work for, we're all remote. And like I said, we all just kind of figured it out and it's the normal, right? Yeah. And I think when people join, which we had somebody join maybe just less than a year ago, um, I should ask him how it went, uh, like, and how it felt to him doing this. Um, yeah. But I think because it's just, we don't think about it, just, it's just how it works. Um, so my situation, your situation is very different because you are, like you said, the only remote person. So how do you, f are you excluded from stuff? Obviously it's not intentional. Um, but like, obviously the theme of the, podcast here show is related around software design and architecture so how do you feel that plays a role yeah because obviously it's going to work different between the both of us yeah i would assume on how that how that works out yeah that's i would say that's a struggle the company's had i mean since i've been working remote um i would say it's much better now and i would say so so technically I'm, I'm a senior developer and there's actually like hierarchically, if I can even say that word properly, <laughs> um, there's two, like there's a lead developer who's technically like above me, however you want to put that on paper. Right. Yep. And then there's another guy who's above him who are developers. <clears throat> so practically it actually doesn't work out that way. Um, I'm leading most of the projects and I'm leading the d design and leading the architecture of pretty much like the most critical projects. Um, so I'd say earlier on, not so much, it, or it was harder because there were decisions that were made without me, um, kind of knowing what was going on. And I, you know, I intentionally try to document as much as I can and put, you know, if there's a new product we're trying to, or a new feature that we're trying to do, then I will just like pump out as much documentation, you know, not like useless documentation, but helpful, helpful stuff. Yeah. It's been a struggle because I'm sure you've experienced maybe at this job or another one where it's like, okay, guys, here's this document and nobody reads it and three months down the road mistakes are made that were actually like addressed in this original document that's like you know i already kind of gave you the instructions and like had the foresight to predict that would happen and here was the fix that kind of was there that that's happened a few times quite a bit i'd say actually um but I'd say it's a lot better now. And I think that's because the kind of the manager has seen that happen quite a few times. <laughs> it's happened so like so many times. It's like, okay, like we need to make sure people are on the ball. And I think part of that is just because everyone there is in the office. So they can just kind of like interrupt people and be like, Hey, yeah. So it's like, it's kind about? of how to, how do you communicate that when you're not there and you're not like, not that you're, I don't want to say you're like a first class citizen, but yeah. do you know what I mean? Like you, you're, know. you can't just interject immediately yeah. with anything. Well, not, you know what I mean? Like, or you're not necessarily always a part of all those discussions potentially, yeah. like you're missing out on some of them again, probably not intentionally. It's just, yeah. if you're kind of thought as an afterthought, that's probably the bad way to put it, but do you know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. you're just not sitting in the office and walk into somebody's office and talk to them directly. Yeah, I think part of it too is the comp, I mean, you know, there's just the the culture, I mean, in, in most companies, right? Like, okay, I can see the two people that I, that are sitting next to me. Okay, guys, let's go downstairs in the meeting room and talk about this important thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's happened where kind of these big decisions have been made where I hear about it kind of like off the cuff or whatever. And it's like, yeah, oh, I didn't know that was happening. 
um, actually that like that's wrong or, you know, maybe, you know, there's a kind of a known issue with taking that approach. Like, let's talk about it. So it kind of goes yeah. back to what I mentioned before. The um, one thing that we kind of struggled with to related to kind of like the, I guess related to this is, and I, and I hear this the most with remote people that really enjoy it is that the no interruptions thing. And yeah. Yeah, I, I agree really like with that. it. I, I really agree with it. And we kind of have a kind of guideline for um, like using Slack or whatever you're using in terms of, because there are moments where you need to interrupt somebody, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, because you are stuck with something, you need something answered. Yeah, I mean, the easiest example all the time is you're, you're spinning your tires on some problem and you don't know what the solution is, you know, you can just, if you were in the office, just go to walk up to somebody and say, Hey, like, I got this problem. Can you come help me? Um, and yeah, you can do that asynchronously, but how much time, more time you're going to burn waiting for the person to reply to you. Yeah. Right. So, and we kind of struggle with that. Uh, so our general rule, right. Is if you just direct message, somebody try to have those notifications on and use it sparingly as much as you can to, and that's kind of our, Okay, it's urgent-ish, right? Like you've attempted to deal with something yourself, you can't go down that road. Uh, like you know, what I mean, and just try to interrupt somebody. Yeah. But even that is difficult because it it still requires, and I get caught all the time on it with uh, Slack notifications. Is that they work great when they're turned on, and I often <laughs> for for the example of this, will I'll turn off my notification, like in Windows. I'm using Windows, and I yeah. turn off like the um, I can't remember what they call it. It's like the, there's a setting anyways, to turn off notifications. So I don't have, like if I'm doing a talk or presentation, I always turn them off. So I don't have something randomly coming up. Yeah. Um, and good luck if I remember to turn it back on. Right. And then I'm working away and then all of a sudden I look over and I see a little, I the little icon that has red on it and Slack saying that I have direct message. I'm like, Oh crap. Like <laughs> yeah. right, how long has that been sitting there? And then I realized somebody's been waiting for me for a half an hour and it's like, well, yeah, I've done there that goes too. that rule. Right. Like that didn't really work out versus if we're in the office, I just would have directly walked up to somebody and said, Hey, do you got a minute? So that's kind of that. I think that's our, one of our biggest pains is somewhat that is yes. You don't want to distract people. You don't want to interrupt people, but when you need to, and you need help, you need help or you need to talk to somebody and you don't want that to be asynchronous. Like yeah. you want that to be immediate. Yeah. Right? And that's happened too. Like we've, we've had cases with like, issues like really bad issues in production and it's like i didn't know there was an issue until like an hour or two after the fact because they were like in the office scrambling right um so then it's like okay well i can try to help you now because <laughs> i'm aware of it <laughs> yeah um, or things where it's like you know, we've, we've had issues where I literally spent like a whole day trying to figure out why, you know, a memory leak or something, right? It's like we keep having to reset the web server every 10 minutes for the entire day and try to figure that out. And, and it's like, okay, guys, I think it's here and I think this is going to fix it. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we already, we already kind of like, went down that road and it's like, Oh, okay. Well, that would have been nice to tell me. Yeah. It would have been it's nice no one's fault, right? It's not malicious or anything. It's just, I mean, it's kind of the way it is. Yeah. But, yeah. And that's the thing, right? Is say you went to, I'm thinking about how that would work for us is that all our communication for the most part is done two ways. It's we, we almost do not use email. It's basically Slack and video chat. Yeah. And the way that it generally is, is that if you direct message somebody, almost always it's, if you got a second, jump in the room. That's the, the thing. We just automatically just jump in the common room that we have and do what we're doing right now to figure it out. So do you guys like, have video I'll, chats often though? Like, do you find that helpful? I, probably more than if it's, if it's something direct, then yes. Like if it's, if it's just, Hey, I'll, we have a dev channel. If I, if it's something just kind of, 
not really important or just want to let it just to keep everybody informed. It's not urgent or anything. Yeah. I'll just post it in there. There are general channels, same type thing to let other people know, but it's, if it's needed, like in it's something I need to interrupt you for, like I was talking before the general, I should have a the macro or something to automatically type this, which is jump in the room. Cause that's yeah. what we always say to each other, just jump in the room. And then yeah. we do, we just jump into our video chat and then do exactly this. Like it's second nature just to be in here. Yeah. And that's kind of nice. That's a nice thing. I like that I can chat with one person. Like I can have a video chat with one person that I want to interact with. As opposed to like, if you're in the office, everyone hears what you're talking about and everyone else starts like interjecting or whatever. And yeah, or you can hear other people talking. And so I do like that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a different, I can, I can, I can somewhat relate to what you're experiencing. Cause it's just, it's not second nature to everybody else just to realize that you're that communication but that they're having in person isn't getting relayed to you. Yeah. Right. Now, like everyone has been working remotely this week, of course, because of what's yeah, been so happening. Yeah, so that would be interesting. Yeah, it'd be see interesting. see how that changes. For, yeah. I mean, for one thing, everyone's like, oh, I feel way more productive. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not being interrupted all the time. And yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, that's, that's for sure. But yeah, yeah I think, I think, Probably the biggest thing is is just the whole thing of documentation or, um, yeah, I, I think I think that's probably just the biggest issue is people not reading it. Like, so one so thing simple, that we do but... too, I guess, in terms of like, I wouldn't say it's a tip, because I, I I I think it depends on a lot of things. It's just like how stuff works, the individuals involved, but um, and I and this applies, I. Um, cause you were talking about like documentation, but like, Hey, describe a situation and here's how to fix it. And nobody read the doc or whatever the case may be. Or it's literally like requirements for a feature. Sure. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not going on that stretch, but I'll just give an example of something is what we do now. Um, and it, it works. It, depending on your team size, you would have to figure this out again. This is no silver bullet, one size fits all thing, but. What we implemented probably, I don't know, a couple years ago was the first thing we do in the morning is do a group review. So basically we go through pretty much every review as an, like as our team. So there's five of us in our team and we literally do a group review and the benefit of it is it's not necessarily like the, um, it's the. I feel like the uh, when we were talking about like architecture or design, it's the the key points that I'm always trying to get across are the design things that um, are evolving or we're learning over time that yeah. we're starting to implement that people may not realize that hey that was the situation where you shouldn't have done that you should have done this because yeah. we realize that causes us problems or something, or we found a better way to do that particular scenario. Let's do this now. So that doing those group reviews is the easy way to communicate it that then everybody knows it. Does everybody get it sometimes? Maybe not, but at least they all hear it and see it versus having like direct one-on-ones. It's always ends up being as a group and then we can push that stuff forward. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing that I I've noticed, um, not even being remote, I guess, is if uh, the way I describe this is I always say being in a like if you're in a box, meaning that if you have a particular style of architecture that and I can elaborate on this, that you can then kind of re just you kind of get stuck in a box and for you to get go outside of that box where really requires you to go out of your way to do something different than what the kind of common patterns are that you see everywhere else when you're looking at code. So most often I find that if people have to implement something new, they're not going to go out on a whim just to create something completely off the top of their head in terms of how to implement it. Yeah. 
they will use something else as an example yeah to then implement it right and that's kind of like the box is like if you kind of have like this i don't want to say it's a template but it's it kind of is in a sense this is the style of how we do these types of things you kind of just follow those patterns without really even realizing you're following them yeah and like i said to kind of go outside those lines is you can do it but it's you really have to go out of your way to try to kind of circumvent the patterns that are implemented yeah um which is to me like super helpful because then it's people can make progress without um yeah feeling overwhelmed about how to implement something so it's least. like a conventions basically that's what you're saying yeah so like i'll give you the examples um and if anybody is unfamiliar with my blog or any of the videos that i've done it's I'm, i harp a lot on um cqrs and vertical slices and specifically how you implement that <clears throat> and i actually just um somebody posted a comment on twitter you replied to it i don't know if i replied to your reply but i definitely replied to the same tweet which was somebody asked like how long should a branch be okay like, how yeah, long yeah. should a branch live yeah and my answer was like days like a day two days yeah. because the reason being is that there's no reason almost for it at all if you can if you kind of get into these vertical modes of implementing features the feature really doesn't turn on until you want it to turn on and generally the the feature itself is so contained and so has generally there's no coupling to it for the most part other than when you want to at the very end yeah so you just you're basically pushing dead code if you're pushing code that's not being used at all until you want it to be used now this brings up a whole other issue too around so like, like let's say like i know exactly what you're talking about um and i've been i've been introducing a lot of that kind of stuff to the company i work for so feature flags for example can help with that yeah um yeah, there's just so there's so much like to I'm thinking like to be able to to be able to do that and for other developers to understand how to do that. I found um, can be a struggle for certain people to really understand how that works because they're so used to let's build the UI first and then I'm just going to shove my data into a database and now I'm done. <laughs> right? Like yeah. and that's that's kind of what I've introduced. We started. I mean, this could be a whole other pod, uh, session that we want to talk about. But basically, you know, I started out. Um, the way things were being done was just so difficult and so confusing. So I basically said, "Okay, let's let's do it a new way." And it's very like a started with kind of a ports and adapters clean clean architecture-ish approach, which kind of evolved more into the vertical slices. Um, I personally found having like the data, the data layer, I guess, and then like the infrastructure layer, um, having all of those separated into separate projects was just a lot of context switching, having to jump back, like it was kind of like, this isn't this what this architecture is supposed to solve like all this context switching so instead of context switching yeah anyways i follow you yeah I am. yeah I'm so you. so i ended up kind of through trial and error figuring out like well there's nothing wrong with having like database queries in your domain pro project as long as you know, as long as they're behind an interface, for example, and you just make sure your your actual domain objects are not calling SQL queries or whatever. Um, so now it's basically like there's a domain. I mean, each we can get into like building context and all that, but basically it's like there's one project that has my business logic, and yeah, there are objects like repositories or whatever that do SQL queries, but they're they're abstracted behind interfaces and there's a top 
application layer, which is basically just command and query handlers. Um, and like this was this was before I kind of even learned about all this stuff, right? About like SecureRS and blah blah blah. Um, and yeah, like vertical slices is exactly what it is, right? Like let's just you build this one slice of functionality that's not coupled to all the other ones, so you're not, you know, if one of them breaks, it doesn't break the other the others. That's a huge benefit. Yeah, I would say the other one too is like my mental model of thinking of this is, or at least the way I try to describe it is, if you were to think of a layered architecture as being a like a layered cake, right, where you have whatever some UI, you have some data access, you have wherever whatever the hell you want your layers to be, right, yeah. whatever those are to you, um, but in your take your cake being your application and meaning those layers are over your entire app. Um, that's what I think of when you refer to like, you know I mean, like having a context switching between projects and each think of each one of those layers as a project, potentially. Yeah. I say, think of that model, but then all of a sudden, take that idea and start cutting slices into them. Yeah, like slices of cake. Yes. Yeah. And then so you can still have layers but they're within the unit of the feature, which is the slice of cake. Yeah. And the beauty of that though, is that I usually end up putting those things organ like in an organization matter, like actual source code together. Yeah. So it's not projects of, um, by, by technical concern, by layer. Yeah. You end up having basically folders or files in my case, sometimes just one that contains all those layers. Right, so that when you want to go to a particular feature, you're not jumping around. You're literally potentially in most of our situations in the project I'm working on, you're oftentimes going to a folder or one file yeah. to to do all that. Yeah, that's that's kind of where we are now. But I will say that has been a struggle for most of the developers because it's so different. I mean, yeah. it was a struggle for me to start off. Like, it was a lot of trial and error, but. But yeah, going back to like what you're talking about, like this issue of having conventions and there's kind of a clear way that we build things. Um, that implementing that, even though that evolved and it, you know, it's it's still getting a little bit different today. Um, yeah, Do you think everybody working remote now and that communication? Because I mean, go back to the subject of remote here and how it affects us all. Yeah. How do you think, how do you think this can change? Like at least in your situation of, um, because yeah, communication is completely different now. So is everything so, um, like you're, there's already kind of patterns involved. So people are just going to follow what they already do within the app. Or do you think, um, how you guys have to communicate now is going to change any of that? I don't know. I, I would hope that it would lead to more documentation, like more of a focus on let's write down everything we talk about. Let's write down, you know, our decisions. And because like you said, you know, you had mentioned like having the box and then maybe, maybe you discover there's actually a better way to do a certain thing. Now you have to, like you said, every, every morning you guys meet and talk about those things, which would be really helpful. Um, those are the kinds of things that, right now i'm mostly writing down and then saying hey guys go look at this um very thorough but i think some people struggle with having to read documentation i guess i don't know just not fun yeah it's not fun <laughs> it's true yeah <laughs> um i mean yeah it's there's a lot to it right like then there's like well you could pair a program and someone's building something new for the first time or you could do it on a PR or, or like there's all different ways to, to help out with that. But definitely having those conventions, like in the, the case of this company, when I started, it literally took like weeks to months to, to like implement a new feature, like simple features. And then basically, de basically decoupling everything from the existing system, which is actually like a network of different systems. Um, yeah, just like very straightforward. Like 
um, very easy and well, I'd say easy, but very, we'll say straightforward. And it's like, okay, I want to build this thing and just look at the previous feature that was built use that, like you said, as a template for the most part. And even like the UI, we totally decoupled everything from the UI. So now it's like, if we're doing new things, we're using Vue.js for the most part. And we just like embed new components onto the existing UI. So it's not tied to this legacy. I mean, there's like multiple legacy apps here, like vb.net. Um, there's some old mvc.net apps that use like a custom JavaScript framework. That's probably the biggest issue that we've had. Which is custom just, JavaScript oh, framework. Oh, yeah. Don't <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a whole, we'll do a whole yeah. session on that later someday. Yeah. But basically, yeah, now it's like you've got this nice, I'll say clean, but yeah, he's kind of standard conventions. This is how you build it for the most part. And you hook it up to your, you have a component for your new feature that can be like a whole page if you want, or like a whole set of pages, or just like one little widget that you can drop into an existing area. Um, and that's like literally features that have taken like months to build now take like a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? Like it's a huge, massive improvement. So I definitely get like what you're saying. Like if you have kind of these, this is kind of the standard convention. Um, that makes a huge, huge difference for yeah, sure. I think at that point, right, it's just, it's a matter of still stuff's going to evolve. So it's just, how do you can, how do you convey or communicate what those changes are to your kind of architecture style or how stuff's yeah. developed? Cause it, it does, it's, it changes. And then the thing that we notice, it's just hard is, is, Oh, we don't do that anymore. Like we don't do it that way anymore. It's yeah. like, Oh, well then I looked at this feature or then I just did it the other day. I had to ask somebody, I'm like, I need an example of this. Like what's the last thing we did that was just like this? Cause I haven't done it in a while. So I'm like, yeah. what, what does that look like right now? Like, yeah. because the, the, the reality of it is, yeah, you would love to go back and change everything you have yeah. to use that new convention, but it's, it's not in so many different ways that is not feasible or practical <laughs> or like it, it serves no value potentially. Like, I mean, yeah. it could serve value for the long, like, but if it's working and it's segregated, then what it is is what it is. Like it, I'd argue it doesn't need to get. Like I don't know if there's enough value to actually go back and make and physically make that change. That's under the hood gonna do nothing to the system. It's just gonna yeah. still work the way it is. Just maybe using some new conventions. But that's a whole. I guess that's on a per case basis. But it's always trying to convey those things about the, kind of the new way things are happening. Um, it's kind yeah, of the struggle. that's a struggle I've had too. Like, because I mean, pretty much I'm, I'd say I'm the person who's been leading all the architectural changes, all the design changes, and kind of leading everyone else through those. And it's, yeah, it's very evolutionary. Like, it changes, right? It's like we're doing it this way. Like I'd mentioned before, where we started with a clean architecture, and that didn't really, um, didn't really work. It was just too much context switching. And um, so then we just did a big refactor and made it a lot simpler. We still get the same benefits, but it's just kind of a simpler in how you structure your projects and stuff, a lot simpler. And now, I mean, my intention was to introduce like a lot of domain-driven design approaches. And obviously, like, doing everything at once like we're doing full domain driven design that's doesn't really work at least didn't here um i think especially for like yeah you want to introduce little bits here and there and and then you know once people see the benefit then it's like okay that's this is actually like part of this domain driven design let's you know introduce these other concepts that can actually add more of these kinds of benefits and then yeah then you get to the point where you're like okay like there's this new this new concept or tool um that now might be a good time to introduce and 
you know, the implication is we have to start moving things around and, and so on, which is kind of where we're at right now. So I can, I can see like a lot of other people on the team feeling like, oh, things are always like changing. And I think the, I think the struggle is if you're not kind of, if you don't get it, that architecture is like, you know what I mean? It's definitely like this learning process and, um, and big part of it is like, when I think of like what new things I want to introduce, I have to think about the skills and knowledge that the other people have and how comfortable they are with the things that have already kind of been introduced. And, um, so yeah, I think that's probably the toughest part is knowing how much to introduce or what to introduce, especially to a company like basically they they've been doing things like crud, everything crud, copy paste everywhere, massive stored procedures to do business logic. Like, so this is like a totally different, but now I think everyone sees the benefit. It's like, well, we have automated tests for a lot of our new features. Um, it's a lot more, you know, less bugs, more performant, easier to understand. And again, you know, if you're creating something new, there's, there's this kind of convention that you follow and it's pretty straightforward, I would say. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's always more you can do, right? It's, especially right now, we're kind of in a big, we're leading a big project, basically trying to, like I said, they've got multiple legacy apps and they want, we're building a mobile app for all of these different products or some of these products, but some of these products are actually on like different, like websites, like physically they're on diff different languages, different platforms. So now the struggle is, okay, we need to bring it all into one at least the features we need, we need to bring it into one place. Like it basically bring it into like a domain layer, have one cohesive, you know, here's this product. There's one application, if you will, that deals with that. And if you want to do something with that application, then you either call a command or you call a query and then you know all that logic is the web the website can just do what it you know asks for what it needs to do and the api can do the same thing so yeah i mean there's just and that brings that goes into like should we use micro microservices which no not this team but you know you have those those issues come up too right how far do you want to go and how much, how much complexity will this introduce and is it worth the benefits and yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's a giant, um, leap from what you're doing. Right. So yeah. it's kind of the, one of the, the things that I always hear from when I go to conferences that are related to domain driven design is, um, cause we were talking about that is, is I often hear the statement um, like read the book or went to this conference and we guys, we need to do this or girls like the, the organization, we need to do this. We need to do all of it. Yeah. Right. And it's like, that is totally not going to work. <laughs> right. So it's like, it's what you're saying is how do you throw in, like identify, okay, we're having these problems. Maybe we can implement this here and start doing these things here. Like here's something where we can do this. That will be very beneficial to this pain that we're feeling. And it reminds me of kind of like what Steve was saying when we talked to Steve Smith, which was, he calls it pain driven development, right? It's like, yeah. just don't lay out all these things you're going to do, whether they're like technical things, whether they're like, you know, I mean, technical patterns that you want to implement, whether they're organizational things or just um, communication, whatever the case may be. It's like, you just don't throw it all out there and Hey, we're just going to drastically change how we do everything. Cause that's, you're gonna get so much pushback yeah. for one probably. Um, so yeah, it's like finding the right balance of how to sneak those, <laughs> those things in that, you know, that are going to, uh, 
and get buy-in too, right? If everybody knows everybody's feeling the pain of it and say, hey, let's try this to see where this goes. One little kind of nugget at a time and see where it goes. Yeah, I think if I think if you have a team that's willing to to play around with stuff like that, that's definitely a good place to be in. I would suspect smaller companies that would be that would happen more on smaller companies than larger ones. Um, I mean, I can see maybe if you work for a company with like hundreds of developers, maybe within your one team, you could play around with different things, but. But then it's like, well, everyone uses the same source control repo, you know? So it's like, well, ultimately we can't change the fact that the business is releasing every six months or whatever, right? So it's like, well, how do we, based on that, how do we do, how do we improve things? It's tough, yeah, I it's... guess every company is different, right? And everyone, every team has different skill set and and um yeah some people think certain you know some ways to do things are better yeah it's kind of getting all on the same page too right and like you said the smaller those groups of their teams are the the easier it is to try to all band together and make the changes that you want to change um it's hard for me to relate to a lot of the bigger companies in those situations because i've almost exclusively only worked for like startups and like half my career is working for startups. I never really realized that until yeah. like a couple years ago where I'm like, huh, let me think back about everywhere I've worked. And oh yeah, <laughs> like the first three places I ever worked at were startups and I never really thought of it before until now. So kind of had the luxury of that, I guess I, I don't even know if it's a luxury. I, I don't know. I always hear just the red tape with bigger companies, but uh, yeah. I haven't really had to experience it too much. I mean, I, I did a it, little bit with like in a consulting and having to deal with larger companies, but I was never just directly say, inside of it. I was going to say, I think if you're coming in as either like a consultant or an advisor, it's okay. But if you're actually like in the system, it's probably a lot more difficult. With all the red tape and stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because the to change. one, yeah, that I had a conversation um, at Explore DDD last year after my talk, and somebody was at because I was talking a lot about service boundaries and communicating with the business, and I was giving examples of questions that I would ask various people in the business that kind of led to some kind of aha moments and discoveries that kind of shaped what we were building and I had people ask me like so because to me just talking to the business is like second nature like I just I have always had direct access to people yeah um and that is obviously not the case for everybody but I'm just so used to it that um I take it for granted maybe of being able to sit down with an accountant and you know what I mean, ask them or whatever it is. Like when I was dealing with the, um, like some of the warehousing distribution stuff is yeah. The accountants there, the, the accountant was kind of spearheading some of the stuff we were doing or talking to the various managers, like in, like in the warehouse and et cetera, just doing that and being able to immerse myself, like almost job shadowing a lot of times was yeah. to me, that just seems second nature to do that. But, um, yeah, I understand that in a lot of situations, that's not probably the case. Yeah, I'd say that's not the case where I am right now. Um, the last place I worked, it was the case. Or, I guess similar to you, it was, fine. It was kind of a financial. Actually, yeah, two, two big projects that I was on. One was for an insurance company. One was for like an automotive financial thing. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of interactions with business people there. Well, I think we're getting close to the end here. Yeah, do you got any other? I mean, I, we started this with this kind of remote <laughs> thing. And then, uh, yeah. I think somewhat with design and how that works with remotely. Um, I don't know if there's any other things I can. Everybody's been kind of giving their own two cents about the remote thing. I think every, my two cents is that I think people will figure it out. I think, I think you so. just work. I think you just, everybody will figure it out how yeah. what works for their team. I don't think what works well for 
my group works great for your like it's i think you just as a group figure it out and know as long as you're conscious about it right like of like what sucks what doesn't suck yeah and trying to turn down the suck and turn up the good basically <laughs> right like just that's my biggest thing is always just trying to optimize what's working well and get rid of the cruff that's not really serving any purpose or that pain i guess yeah but if you got any other thoughts yeah i just think in general like having butts on chairs is not really a good metric for anything right um and i think if you have employees that if you have employees and you can't trust them enough to say work from home and be an adult be responsible then they shouldn't be working for you like yeah pretty much yeah so that's fair i mean it's i think it's tough in some for some companies who maybe have people they can't trust but you know, if I had my own company, then I would just I'd hire people that I not even, you know, you want to hire people you trust. But I think like part of that is like you want to treat people with that respect, too. And I think that's kind of part of it, too. If you're always if you're treating your employees like you're on a leash, it's like you're my pet. Um, yeah, don't be surprised if those employees actually aren't. You know what I mean? There's they're not going to be motivated and. Um, you're going to bring them down. So I think for people, if if you can find a company that gives you that respect, um, that goes a long way yeah. in terms of like motivation and, you know, just feeling like you're respected, I think is a big, is a big thing as opposed to like a taskmaster where it's like, here's all your tickets and you need to do them, which yeah. brings up a whole <laughs> other issue of, you know, Am I, am I just working to cross off, you know, all this work or am I here to actually solve problems and collaborate and try to innovate and do some cool things for customers, right? Yeah. Two totally different things, but anyways, that's my. Yeah. The only thing I got left, I guess, to say is for, if you made it this long through what we were talking about, this was actually kind of our plan. So if you didn't listen to the first one, yeah, we want to have guests on, but I think we also want to just have these conversations about kind of maybe one topic and just see where it goes. Like, I don't, we didn't really have too much ahead of time for this. And that's actually kind of the plan. Um, That may seem crazy, (laughs) but we're doing it and I'm having fun doing it. So let's, Let's yep. keep doing it and see where it goes. <laughs> I guess people can maybe listen to this while they're working or something. Yeah, pretty well. I don't think anyone's going to sit here and be like an hour staring at us, but yeah. Anyways. <laughs> cool. All right. Take it easy, James. Cool. Well, have a good day. Have a good, right. uh, good week, I guess. All right. See you. See ya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Loosely Coupled Show. If you did, please subscribe for more on software architecture and design.